I have to confess this morning, I've been doing a lot of griping and complaining lately. Anybody identify with that? I've been doing a lot of griping and complaining lately. Matter of fact, I think my wife's kind of almost ready to kick me out of the house if I keep acting this way. Now, you probably have never been there, but I've been doing a lot of griping and complaining, and I can tell you exactly where it started. On January 2nd, starting out the new year, Deb and I went to Walmart. You're like, enough said. I get it. (laughs) When we went to Walmart, we had to get some groceries, and we walked into Walmart, and as we walked through the door of Walmart, there was a sign, a big sign in the middle. Matter of fact, I think they've got it. They're going to probably put it up on the thing. And it said, hey, Colorado, we've removed all paper and plastic bags from our stores in your area. And I saw that sign, and I kind of walked past it, and I'm like, what in the world is that all about? What's going on here? Why why can't we get a bag? I mean, we just need a bag to put our groceries in to go home with, you know? And and I'm walking through the store, and I'm kind of trying to stew about this, trying to figure out what's going on. and, And suddenly I remember, I think I heard something about the Colorado legislature doing something and starting to charge us for bags, 10 cent a bag, and... I think the the Californians have taken over all of a sudden, you know. I mean, nothing against you, Kelly. I love you, buddy. But you're not you're not one of them, you know. You're one of us now. <laughs> but I, I'm like, what's going on? Why do I gotta? I thought we just had to pay ten cents and we're going to get rid of them all. And yet they got rid of them. And, I, and I'm I'm stewing and I'm getting angry as I'm walking through Walmart and I'm I'm fussing and I'm fuming a little bit. And, and fortunately, I know better than to take it out on the clerk because it's not her fault. She's she's just doing her job. And I get up there and it's obvious several people have taken it out on her. And she's trying to explain to people, hey, this isn't my decision. It was it was Walmart's decision in response to this thing, and they don't want to have to try to count all the bags that people are using in the self-checkout line, so they just got rid of them. She said, but you're more than welcome. If you don't want to buy a bag, you can. You, if you don't want to buy one of those $2 fabric bags that they'd sell you, you can put it in your cart and take it out to your car. And I saw a lot of people doing that, man. They were just putting their groceries in their cart and pushing their cart out mad. I was right there with them, man. Right there with them. We're on the way out to the car, and I told Deb, it's a good thing we brought your car, because if we brought my truck, I'd have thrown that whole big cart right up in my truck, and I'd have drove home with it. Absolutely. I'd have brought it back later, but I'd have taken it with me right now. I wasn't happy, man. And I've been griping and complaining about that. And about two days later, I'm driving home, and I'm listening to a guy on the radio, and he says, hey, man, he says, and he's talking to the guy on the radio, he said, did you realize that eggs in Colorado are now $5 a dozen? And I'm like, what? And I said, yeah, we passed the law. That the only eggs that you can sell in Colorado are cage-free eggs. And I'm like, what in the world? They wouldn't have, surely wouldn't have done that. And the governor wouldn't have signed something like that in a time when inflation is so high. It can't be that way. So I drive over to Target on my way home. I'm like, I'm going to check this out. I want to know, man. And I pull into Target and I go in. And sure enough, there's a dozen and a half eggs there. There's $7 for 18 eggs. I'm like, what in the world are we thinking about? Why would we do something like this? And I've been griping and complaining, to be honest. I have not had a good start to 2023. (laughs) I've been complaining. I've been carrying on. 
I've been talking about all these idiots that, that are in our, our legislature and the dummies that voted for them. And I, I've been, I mean, I've been going on. I think my wife's a little, been a little frustrated with me even. I've been upset about it. Fast forward to earlier this week. I use a, an app on my phone to do my Bible reading every day. It's called Bible Gateway. Some of you may have used it or may have seen it. I like it because they have a thing that walks me through so that I can read my Bible through through the entire year. And I like to, I like to read the chronological version. It takes me through there. And, and, and I'm reading through there. And I open up that app. And at the beginning of the app, before I can get to my Bible reading, there's always a verse of the day. And I opened it up earlier this week. And it's 2 Corinthians 5. It's the verses that we're going to read through here right now. And it's 2 Corinthians 5, beginning of verse 16 was the verse of the day. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I read that scripture in the midst of all my griping and complaining, and I felt about that big. I felt about that big at that moment. I thought, God, I've been griping and complaining about all this stuff. And I have forgotten the main purpose why you left us on this earth after we received Christ. You see, I believe, and I believed for years, if there was not a purpose for us after we received Christ, God would have zapped us off to heaven, man. How awesome would that have been, huh? But God's got a purpose for us. God's got a mission for us. God's got a plan for us. And he says that we are to be the ambassadors for Christ, bringing the message of reconciliation to this world. And I read that and I thought, man, I've been spending all this time on 10-cent bags and $5 eggs and forgetting what my main purpose was for you, Jesus. I've, been, I've forgotten that you've given us this great and awesome task of being ambassadors for Christ, bringing this wonderful message of reconciliation. And I felt pretty small. To be honest, it didn't completely stop me from complaining. <laughs> but I felt pretty small, and I thought, man, I got to get a hold of this. I got to change this. You see, how in the world can we ignore one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture? I want to I come back to you for a moment, verses 17 through 19. 
love what Paul says here, how he describes our salvation. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. In, in the King James, the new King James says they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I have always, since the day I first read this many, many years ago, felt like this was one of the most beautiful descriptions in, the, in, in all of the Bible of what happens to us when we come to Christ. Paul says we are new creations in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. He describes, it gives us this beautiful description of who we are when we've come to Christ. I love that because he says, he doesn't say that I've just made you okay. Jesus, did, God didn't come in, when Jesus came into our life, God didn't just slap a Band-Aid on us or put a little duct tape on us or maybe use a little super glue on us and patch us up and send us back out into the world that we might somehow get through. Amen? I remember when I was a kid, I was rough on jeans, man. Anybody else identify with that? You know what I'm talking about? But when I was a kid, I'd get a new pair of jeans, and usually the first time I went out and played in them, I'd come back and there'd be holes in the knee. You know what my mama do? She'd get out one of those patches. You ever seen them? It was an iron-on patch for the knees. <laughs> and she'd iron them things on, and I hated them. Because, you know, they were always darker than what the jeans were, <laughs> and they always looked like you had patches on your jeans. And I always felt like all I ever had was patched-up jeans. You know, I'm grateful that my mom could patch those jeans up because we didn't have the extra money for go, go buy another pair of jeans. But I'm really glad that God didn't just iron a patch on me. He didn't just take a little duct tape and, and wrap it around something to, to kind of fix me up and say, hey, you'll just be okay, Mark. Get back out in the world and get at it. But the Word of God says that when I came to Christ, when you and I came to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we ask Him to forgive us and to come into our life, the Word of God says it's a big word we use when we talk about being regenerated, that we are made brand spanking new in Christ. The new has come, the old has gone, and man, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful picture that is. Because you know there's no place else in life where you get a fresh start like that. No place else where you get a fresh start like you get in Jesus. You know, you commit a crime, you will forever, for the rest of your life, even after you've died, you will have a criminal record. It's there. It can be the smallest of crimes. You still always have a criminal record. You may get it, you, they may expunge it, they may seal it, they may do all those things, but that criminal record is still there. It's still there. If a police officer pulls up your name in his computer system, even if your record's been sealed, it will show it to him for his safety. It'll come out, and he'll know that you're a criminal. Nobody's going to give you a fresh start and wipe that out. If you've done things wrong in your life, there's labels that have been applied to you. You understand what I mean? Man, if you've lied, somebody has called you a liar. And they've stuck that label of a liar on you. If you've stolen something, somebody has stuck a label on you that says, you're a, you're a thief. 
If you've committed adultery, it says adulterer. You've committed lust, it says luster or something like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> There's a label on there. You know what? Even some of the people you've trusted the most, who should have been the kindest, have put labels on you at times. You may have had a teacher who said you were slow or stupid. You may have had a parent who said you'll never amount to anything. They stuck that label on you and it stuck, man. You've been carrying that thing around for a long time. Sometimes we even slap labels on ourselves. We look in a mirror and we say we're ugly. We're worthless. We're no good. We slap those labels on ourselves. And we walk around with those labels. And those labels are constantly there as a reminder of the issues that we have. And I see so many people that have been burdened down. You wouldn't think a label carries that much weight, but they carry a lot of weight. And watched a lot of people carry around those labels all their life. And I want to tell you something, that there is good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ, through his blood and his forgiveness and the regeneration that happens when we come to Christ. I believe that when we come to Christ, God takes his big giant eraser and he erases those labels from us. And I believe that he sticks a new label on us. Amen. And that new label reads child of God. And I can't imagine a greater label than that being on any one of us, that we are now children of God. But listen to me, church. I have met a lot of Christians in my time I've seen a lot of children of God that are walking around and they're still carrying the weight of that label that God has erased. And I want to tell you, man, that God has erased that label and he's made you a new creation in Christ Jesus and you are able to overcome that label that somebody has stuck to you or that you stuck on yourself and you're able to walk on and be who God has called you to be because of this beautiful picture that Paul tells us of what happens when we come to Jesus Christ. Amen? Then God goes a step further with it. He says, I trust you enough. Listen to me. This is a huge trust. I trust you enough to represent me and to be my ambassador and to take the message of reconciliation to the world. That's trust, man. That's huge trust. Man, we ought to sit up today and say, God, trust me, man. <laughs> God's put his trust in me. He's put his trust in each and every one of us to be his ambassador, to represent him to the world, to bring the message of reconciliation to the world around us. What a great trust that is. <clears throat> what a great trust that is. So I want to spend just a few moments this morning, and I want to give you three things about an ambassador that I believe are very important for us to understand about an ambassador and what it means to be an ambassador the first thing is an ambassador lives in a foreign land. An ambassador lives in a foreign land. Now, if you've ever traveled overseas, you'll understand this term. It's called culture shock. Man, when you go to a new... I think you can get it culture shock even some places in the U.S. <laughs> but when you go to a foreign country, there is culture shock. There is always something. It doesn't mean their culture is wrong. It's their culture, but it's culture shock to us. I remember in 1985, we went to Athens, Greece for three years, and some friends took us out to eat, and we went down this row of restaurants on this, little, this road just outside of Athens, 
and as we're driving down there, in every window of every restaurant, there are lambs that have been slaughtered, gutted, skinned, and just hanging in the windows. I told Deb when I saw the first one, I said, it kind of looks like somebody skinned a Doberman. <laughs> and she's like, that's sick, Mark. <laughs> and we're looking at that in every window. And when you walk through the door, man, there's these big plate glass windows, and you can see them as you walk through, and there's these lambs hanging there. And then in the, you go into the restaurant, and they've got them on the spit, and they're cooking them up back there. It was a little bit of culture shock to us as we walked in there. I've never been to a restaurant here where they had a skinned animal hanging out front like that, you know. I know Tim's from West Virginia. He's probably seen that, right? He's at home, but, you know, it's probably <laughs> something he's encountered. But we, we haven't, I, it was just culture shock. I remember in 1990 when I landed in Saudi Arabia and I got off the plane, man, everywhere I looked was culture shock, man. <laughs> from the way the guys and the women were dressed to, to uh, hearing every five times a day, some guy comes over a loudspeaker and starts singing and they lock all the shops and they go to prayer. It was culture shock. And I had culture shock many times in my life. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It's just different than my culture. So it's culture shock to me. You know what? As a child of God, as a Christian who is a new creation, who has been reconciled to God, who has been made brand new and living in a relationship with him, we ought to feel culture shock every day in this world. The ways of this world ought to seem foreign to us. Amen? And it's getting more and more foreign every day. And we have a choice in this matter. I absolutely believe that there is a time and a place for us to take a stand and do things. But I also know that the only thing that will truly change a man or woman's moral compass is to come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ and to have their life changed and to be made a new creation in the same way God did to me. Amen. The absolute best way to change a person's moral compass is to introduce them to Jesus, that we might be ambassadors for Christ and, and practice the ministry of reconciliation and minister to them that they might come to Christ. Can I challenge you that we may live in a time in America that many of us have never thought we would see, but there's a reason we live here at this day and time, and that is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ that we might bring the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? The second thing I would tell you about an ambassador is an ambassador speaks for his own country. When an ambassador of the United States speaks to people in that country he is assigned in, he speaks as a voice not only representing the president, but he represents all of us. He represents every one of us as a nation. The great theologian William Barclay said this about us as Christians. In the decisions and counsels of the world, we must be the voice that brings the message of Christ, the message of reconciliation to the human situation. Do you get that? We must be the voice that brings the message of Christ, the message of reconciliation to the human situation. Again, I'm not against, and I'm thankful that we live in a country where we can change things. In a democratic country, we can change things by standing up and, and, and speaking about things. And I, I'm not against taking a stand in the public square for what is right, but we must, must remember that the ultimate purpose for our voice is not just to be right. Somebody hear me. It's not just to be right. 
It's not just to bring about good morals, but the ultimate purpose of our voice is to bring the message of reconciliation, the message of the cross to the world we live in. What message is that? It's the message of the cross. It's the message of Jesus Christ. It's the message that God created mankind. He placed Adam and Eve in that garden, and he created them to have a relationship with him. God, the Bible says that God would come and he'd walk through the garden in the cool of the day, hanging out with them. Can you imagine what that was like to have God hanging out like that? I think we can imagine that because God hangs out with us. But Adam and Eve decided one day, they let, they let themselves be deceived, and they decided that they were going to try to become gods themselves. And they sinned against God because one of the things that if you're going to have a relationship with somebody, you have to have the ability to choose to have that relationship or not. God gave us what we describe as a free will that we could choose to have a relationship with him or not. Because it's not really a relationship if you don't have a free will. It's just being a robot then. But having that free will, mankind had that decision. Would we follow God or not? And mankind made a decision to sin against God. And we've all been sinning since sin. The Bible's very clear. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you haven't sinned, I want to know how you did it because you're different than the rest of us. Amen? But we sinned, and it broke that relationship with God. And we needed something to reconcile us. Something had to pay the price for our sin. And God, in his infinite love for us, decided to send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins. And he took our sins to the cross, and he died there, paying the, the, the price with his very own life, for your sins and my sins, so that we could be forgiven and be reconciled unto God. That we could again have this great, awesome relationship and just hang out with God. That we could learn from God. That we could be made brand new in God. That we could walk with God. That we could have a great life in God. It's a message of reconciliation. And God has entrusted that to you and I to share with the world. And if you're here today and you've never been reconciled unto God, I believe today can be that day if you'll pray and ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and reconcile that relationship between you and, and the Father. God, Jesus will do that, and God will forgive you, and he will make you a new creation today. Amen? Wow. The last thing I tell you about an ambassador is that the honor of a country is in, in an ambassador's hands. In speaking of this, Barclay said, here is the Christian's proud privilege and almost terrifying responsibility. The honor of Christ and the church are in his hands. By his every word and action, he can make men think more or less of his church and his master. Wow. And I'm walking around grumbling and complaining about 10-cent bags and $5 eggs. What kind of honor am I giving to Christ in the midst of this? What kind of honor am I giving to the church and to my Savior in all of my grumbling and complaining? I want to bring honor upon my Savior I want to bring honor upon my God. I want him to be honored, and I want people, when they see me and they hear my voice, I want them to see and say, man, 
I don't know who his God is, but I want, I want to know more about his God. Now, I have to tell you, last night, Deb and I went out, and we were running some errands, and I was kind of quiet, and she said, we got home, she said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I said, I'm just feeling a little bit of weight of what God's speaking to me about this sermon, and, and I haven't reconciled a couple things in myself yet, because to be honest with you, there's a bit of a militant in me. Like, I thought, in the midst of this thing with the eggs, I thought, man, if I could get a group of people to go with me, we could go down and egg the governor's mansion. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's a bit of that in me. I got to be truthful. There's, there's, and there's probably a bit even more than I want to admit. And, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I reconcile this, because I do believe, and, and I'm thankful that we live in the United States of America. I've been in countries where they don't have the freedoms we have. And I'm thankful that we have an opportunity in a democratic, in, in a representative republic like we live, that where we can go and we can, we can protest or we can get involved in the government and we can change things. And I'm thankful for that. And how do I reconcile, how do I, how do I reconcile my, the, that bit of the militant with me or that desire to change things and really get in and move things? How do I reconcile that with my main purpose is to be an ambassador for Christ and to reconcile people to Jesus? How do I do that in a way that is Christ? How do I go and, and affect change in my society and my government? Because there's some things that need to change. There are some things that are dead wrong. You know, the eggs and the bags are small potatoes compared to some of the other stuff that's happening in our world today. That's small potatoes compared to some of the stuff that we're seeing. How do I affect that change and still yet maintain the cause of Christ? And so I... We had talked about it for a while, and I went upstairs, and I said, I'm just going to go up and sit down in the study and pray for a while and, and, and try, to, try to reconcile this. And I was praying for a while, and then I got on my computer, and I, I just Googled real quick, can a Christian protest? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And there was a name that popped up on the screen. Everybody know what tomorrow is? Martin Luther King Day. And if you look back at the time when the civil rights marches and, and the civil rights happened in our country, our country was doing a lot of evil things. We talk about the evil that's happening today, but we were treating people because of the color of their skin as if, not only as if they were second-class second people in some cases, we were treating them as if they were animals. Our country was doing evil. That's the only way I can, I can describe it. I know people don't like to hear it described, but it's evil. Racism is evil. And what we were doing was wrong. Dr. King and others got together, and I firmly believe God gave him a vision from God. It was a vision from heaven. People talk about his, I have a dream speech, and they label it a speech. I believe he was declaring prophetically what God had showed him. You see, they might not tell you this in the history books. They might not teach it this way, but his name may have been Dr. Martin Luther King, but he had another title that was more important than that. He was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. But more important than that, he had that label, Child of God, on him. 
And he was anointed with a message. And you better believe, I know there were people in his circles that were like, man, we got to get rid of this racism. We got to give ourselves all the rights that we need. And we're going to go take it by force. Him being the man of God that he was. So we're going to do this through nonviolent protest. And I'll guarantee you there were talks in his circles. Because that white guy that opposes us right now may come to a place where we can lead him to Jesus. Because if anything's going to change his mind, it's not going to be a law from the United States government, but it's going to be when he gets reconciled unto Jesus Christ and he becomes a new creation in Christ. And when God gets in his heart, that's what will change him. That's what changes a man or a woman greater than any law that's ever been affected in our land. Amen. It's when people come to Christ. He didn't go egg the governor's mansion. And he would have told me I was wrong for thinking about it. He didn't go in force. They didn't show up as militants ready to tear down the capital or to tear down the government. They showed up in nonviolent protest all over the country in massive, massive numbers of people. And it caught the attention of the nation. Unfortunately, in the midst of it, he was martyred for the cause. But fortunately, after he was martyred, the people kept going forward with the cause. And they impacted not only our nation, but the world in a great way. Who would have blamed him if he would have rose up and said, we need to violently take, the, take back our world? I said, I'm right there with you, brother. Let's go. But he said, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it in such a way that we are ambassadors for Christ. Bringing the message of reconciliation. Because that was his message. He was praying that we would all be able to sit down together, be one group. And that only happens in the kingdom of God. Think about all that's happening in our land today. And I told you, there's a militant side of me that wants to raise up and say, we got to change some things, man. There's a militant side of me that wants to grab some people by the scruff of the collar and drag them out, man. But that's not what God's calling me to. I believe we can affect great change by being ambassadors for Christ and bringing the message of reconciliation. And even when we have to stand up, as Dr. King and all of those in the, in the civil rights movement did, even when we have to stand up and gather together to come against the laws of our government that are wrong, that are affecting people, we can still do it in such a way as to win people to Jesus. Because if anything's going to change the hearts and the minds of the people of this land, it's going to be when the blood of Jesus is applied to their life because they've been forgiven and reconciled to God. Amen? Oh. I get frustrated. And I'm telling you the truth, I have not started 2023 well. <laughs> started with a lot of griping and complaining. They made me mad. But God opened up his word to me 
said, Mark, like every other Christian on this planet, I trusted you to be my ambassador and to bring the message of reconciliation to the world around us. Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to ask you a very simple question for a moment this morning. I want to ask you two questions. First of all, you're here. You've never prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. You've heard the truth of Jesus. You've heard the truth of the gospel. Maybe this is the first time today. Maybe you've heard it in the past. But you've not received it. I want to give you that opportunity today to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to be reconciled to God, the God who created you, wants to hang out with you, wants to know you, wants you to know him, wants you to enjoy time in his presence. I want to give you that opportunity. There's no magic in this prayer, but it's a prayer that just expresses our belief in Christ. So I want to ask you, if you've never received him as your Savior, to just pray this prayer with me for a moment if you'd like to receive him. Dear God, I know that you created me. And I know that my sin has separated me from you. And I know that you loved me enough to send your son and that he died for my sins. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for reconciling me in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you, amen. If you prayed that prayer today and this is your first time praying that prayer, I just ask you, grab one of us and let us know today. We, we, we just want to encourage you as you start this new journey walking with God. But I want to do this in just a moment. The band is going to lead us in a song of worship. I love this song they're going to lead us in. I just want to ask you to sit in the presence of God and say, you know what, God? There are a lot of frustrating things happening. It's 2023, and it's a world I don't recognize. But God, you've trusted me to be your ambassador and to bring this ministry of reconciliation, and I want to commit today to bringing this message to the world around me. I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to, I want to say I want to stop. I'm going to stop grumbling and complaining. <laughs> and I'm going to bring this message of reconciliation and be an ambassador of Jesus Christ today. Would you do that with me today?